It's a real joy and an honor to be here with you today. How many of you have ever gone to church and watched someone preach? All right. Now, just be ready for the next one. How many of you have ever thought, if I'm ever up there, I'm going to do it different? What would you do different? You would start out singing. Do you want to come up and help me with that? Uh, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord will be praised, I guess. I'd start out singing. Isn't that awesome? But isn't it interesting that so often when we watch someone walk up, some people like tune them off while they walk. I just don't like their walk or the way they intro or the props they put up front on the floor or whatever. And we listen to radio or podcast. We listen sometimes to TV, news, different things. And if you're aware that our world is filled with complaining, would you mind raising your hand? So just join me. Lord, please help us not to have a complaining heart. And it's not about me. It, it's about our world, and it's about what we've been singing. It's also about what we just heard about. I mean, when I think of the kids' ministry, I mean, this looks like kids' ministry. But while we were singing, I was thinking... Under Dan's leadership and the, the praise and worship team, the idea is for them to be the ones that lead us in worship, like be lead worshipers, not about them, not about their gifts, not about their abilities. And we find ourselves hearing songs like, bring all your failures, bring all your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. And since I grew up in the church from a very young age, some of us joke about that, saying, even in my mother's womb, I was there three times a week. And out of the womb, sometimes four times a week. And I found myself in that type of a rhythm without meaning to, started making it about being there, being seen there, and then missing. Like, have you heard of the 18-inch journey, the difference between your head and your heart? And so part of what I was thinking about while I was sitting over here praying for this body is I'm like, this is 75 minutes of transformation. And if we don't come here to be transformed by God, to be like God, so that when people see us, they see God, and I'm preaching to me, then we might be missing something. So I just want to say from a, per, uh, a mindset of affirmation, I've been here twice on Sunday morning, a very welcoming pace, place, keep welcoming people with Christ's love. I walked back in here into the, I don't know what it's called, so I'll just call it the green room. Walked back there, and I'm putting on mic and stuff. And you know what's going through my mind? This is interesting. How many of you had to go to speech class in high school? Anybody have to do that? How many of you wanted to burn down the school when you, there we go. That's me. So watch out. You might be asked to speak for the Lord. I'm so sorry. But what's so interesting is I was reminded of that by the devil. You don't want to speak. Like you don't want to be up front. You don't want a spotlight. You don't want a mic. You don't have to worry about where to put your water or the different devices that give you the inputs. So let me go back to the song. Bring your failures. Bring your addictions. Bring your confusion. Bring your swollen knee. Bring your hurts. Bring these. Lay them down at the foot of the cross. Just lay them down. And when we lay them down, I found myself jotting some notes 
I didn't take a picture of the slide fast enough. Jesus is waiting to pick you up when you fail. And he will help you break those addictions. If you're satisfying a desire on your own, Jesus will help break those addictions and make those desires met in a biblical God-honoring, life-honoring way. Jesus won't let you down. Jesus won't fail. Christ is my firm foundation. And what's so interesting is I was just sitting there singing. My mom told me when I was a little kid, don't you sing it unless you mean it. And I was meaning it. I'm like, I was ready to walk up here and say, praise God for the worship. Let's close in prayer. 75 minutes of transformation. And the Lord's like, let's, let's not make it 30 minutes of transformation. Let's make it 75 minutes of transformation. I've still got joy and chaos. That's hard. My mom said, don't sing it unless you mean it. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under. I'm not held by my own strength. And he won't. He won't. He won't what? Someone help me. Praise God. So my question for you is, do you believe in a God that won't fail? And do you embrace that God that won't fail? Because I had an experience this past week, and this is real. It's normal. It's human. Some people might have heard a little bit of this this weekend. But I was going one Sunday ago to coach basketball. And it was a three-on-three tournament. I knew we would have at least like three games. The long and short of it is I was telling the Lord as I was driving, and Tony mentioned we were moving. So we had been moving for several weeks, adding uh, the little move piece to the normal day, just trying to do a little bit at a time. By day seven of doing that, we were wiped out. So Sunday was like day 16, and I'm getting ready to leave to head to Kentucky. And I just said, Lord, I'm weak. I can't. I can't. And if there was a conversation, it's like, you can't what? <laughs> I'm like, I can't go coach these 13 and 14-year-old boys. Like, I just don't, I don't have any desire to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm tired. I can't. So for those of us that hide the Word of God in our heart, what kind of scripture would come to our mind when we say, I'm weak? Someone help me. That's right. When we are weak, and, and you're a coach, when we're weak in Christ, we are strong. And it was almost like I heard the Lord saying, do you want to be strong? And then this, is, this may be the most important thing to hear today, maybe. I said, Lord, I don't know. I'm weak. Of course I want to be strong. But why is it that some of us want to be strong and we're weak and we think but I don't want someone to come help me maybe you maybe you but people hurt me and I don't, I don't want to have someone come around me and hurt me and I'm not sure what your story is that's not what I was thinking I was thinking I think I would like to just sit down and take a nap I mean I was thinking something like that and like I'm weak and so I, I looked up the verse. We happen to be a part of a Christian sports ministry. And so I was going to lead devotions, usually based on what God's teaching me. So I looked up Paul saying, I boast in my weakness. 
I boast in it. I delight in it. And I'm like, well, maybe that's a challenge for all of us. So I'm like, Lord, how can I delight in my weakness right here, right now? How can I do that? And if I looked up here on this chart and said where I was, I I would be, quote unquote, supposedly be all of them. You know, I became a Christian and I believed and and I belonged and I've become, I'm supposed to be modeling and multiplying this to other people, and I'm saying I'm weak. That's step one, is just to be honest with God. So you might need to do that if you haven't already today, because he won't. And he didn't. A week ago, he didn't fail me, and he won't fail you. But here's what's so interesting. The Lord was waiting for me to say, okay, I'm ready. Some of you will need to do that in the next couple of minutes in order to have peace in your heart. You could choose to do what I did at first when I said, Lord, I don't know that I'm ready. I'm not ready to boast about this weakness. I'm not ready to lead the devotion. I'm not ready to coach the team. I walked into that gym. There were hundreds of youth, little children to high school students, lots of courts, games going on on both sides. And you see the future there. I mean, it's, it's present and it's real and they're impactful now. But you see the future there. And the Lord started changing my heart. Coached the first game and we won. Went into the second game and we lost. Long and short of it, when it was time for devotions, I shared this verse. And my heart had changed. And I'm not telling you yours has to be like mine. But from the time I prayed, driving to the game, until I felt a change, it was somewhere around 90 minutes to two hours. I know sometimes for me it's longer. And so today's message is about motivation. Do we have a slide, our disciple-making motivation? And the devil wants to tell you a lie. You know part of John 10.10? The thief comes, or the enemy comes, to steal, kill, and destroy and how does that impact us in our, in our disciple-making motivation? I'm sad to say that many parents for many years, and coaches, even Christian ones, have compelled us out of fear, guilt, and shame. And as you've come, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, it is not Pastor Randy or Pastor Tony's intention to do that. I promise you that. But if you've lived in a world that hears things through fear, guilt, and shame, you could hear the message through fear, guilt, and shame. And that's something we want to just say, Satan, we resist you and rebuke you in Jesus' name. And so in light of that, what is our disciple-making motivation? Let's look in Matthew 22 and uh, read a little bit here. Matthew 22. 35 through 40. And this is a sermon and a sentence. If you're like about to fall asleep, you can read it out loud with me. Our disciple-making motivation is agape love. Our disciple-making motivation is agape love. The reason we didn't say just love is that sometimes the, the word love in our culture is misunderstood. Agape love is unconditional, no strings attached love. And so I want to read here Matthew 22, 35 through 40. 
And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. So consider this. Everything in Scripture, including the Ten Commandments, hang on hooks of loving God and loving others. Everything. Loving God and loving others. And by God's grace, that would be our default. Take me back on Sunday a week ago. If I'm going in and I'm weak, I'm like, Lord, I can't love you and others. Like, I'm, I'm incapable. You know what he was waiting for? And you can do this. You can do what I did. He was waiting for me while I was driving, and I was just thinking of Scripture I delight my weaknesses, for I am strong when you are weak. And I simply said, then, Lord, make me strong. Think you can do it? I mean, I know I can't do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm admitting I can't do it. Make me strong as I go seek to honor you as a coach. And the Lord did. He won't. What, what is it that he won't? He won't fail. So it's really important for us to realize, if we haven't started doing this, that in any and every situation, when we're not sure what to do, we need to make two lists. What's my job? What's God's job? And we do not need to do God's job. We just need to do what he's asked us to do and let him do his job. Let him do that. So this morning, as we... Uh, come to Scripture here, and we hear this passage. Does anyone know off the top of their head what Matthew 22, this passage, is quoting from? It's in Deuteronomy 6, called the Shema. And it's a prayer that was prayed in the Hebrew culture every day. Um, if you go to Israel, you'll see these boxes on door frames. It's right there. They uh, tied it around their wrist or around their forehead or had something around their neck or put it on their doorpost. I mean, they, they were focusing on one true God and loving him with our whole heart, everything. And so part of what I was thinking as I listened to the sermons from the last two weeks, knowing that I'd be coming as a part of this series and just praying and saying, Lord, would you please give me wisdom as I seek to, to come and share um, give me wisdom, help me to honor you. The sermon in a sentence is our disciple-making motivation is true love. Our disciple-making motivation is agape love. And yet, when I talked earlier about the enemy coming, like in John 10, there's other passages, to steal, kill, and destroy, wants us to be motivated and compelled by failure or fear or guilt or shame, that is life-sucking. Like, we get tired quick. But when we're compelled by God's agape love, by true love, then that's life-giving, and it's really amazing. And so we see in 2 Corinthians 5.14 also, it supports this concept that we are compelled by the love of Christ. Everything that we do, everything that we think. And so as we think of the path that was on the screen up here earlier, um, this path that we have that's begin, believe, belong, become is your story. 
And this couldn't happen unless God's story and your story came together and you made a story together. And so what I'd like to do in the remaining time is hit on a few verses and share an illustration with T-Ball and hopefully hit a home run for you to go home. Number one, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's from 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. And this passage says, your body is not your own. It was bought with a price. Who bought your body? Jesus Christ. Your body's not your own. It was bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your mind. Honor God with everything. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'd like for you to remember the word on this one, you. In a moment, it's going to be home plate. Number two, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. Just think of the nations right now. Are things good? Ukraine? Saudi Arabia? Yugoslavia? Haiti? Russia? Pakistan? We can just list it. Listen. God says, I will be exalted amongst the nations. So, Lord, just be with all of those nations, including ours. That's struggling. He won't. He won't. He won't. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted amongst the earth, he says. Be still. In your weakness, be still and say, I'm ready. Lord, you be strong. If you're with me, oh, I'm just say whatever if you're with me. I'm used to saying, say yes, coach, because everywhere in the world they know me as coach, not as pastor. I have to be careful. Um, so number three, consider others more important than yourself. And before I go into that, I said, remember, this first verse is going to be you. The second verse is going to be B, like be still, first base. Third point, consider others more important than yourself. Is that easy? Is that something we could do on our own? Absolutely not. Got to have God's help. Got to have God's eyes. Got to have God's understanding. Got to have God's love. Consider others more important than yourself. We're going to make that second base, and we're going to make that the others base. So if you're with me, we've got you, B, and others. Point number four. Do whatever you do as unto the Lord, Colossians 3.17. Now, when I talk to teenagers about this or little children, it's interesting because sometimes they're like, but I don't want to. And I love little children being honest. I'm like, me either. I get down low and look at them and I said, I don't want to either. Like, then why do we have to do it? I said, so does your mommy and daddy make you put your dishes away after the meal? That makes me mad. I don't want to do that. I'm like, so what happens? Like, I get a spanking. I'm like, and then it's like, I put away the dishes. I take out the trash. I don't want to do what I do is under the Lord. Well, sometimes we're nothing but like a little child um, in what I call an adult fiat. Because when I was talking to a little child not too long ago, I said, I just threw a fiat. I didn't want to do what my mom and dad told me to do, and I'm videoing him. 
And he goes, I didn't want to do it. And so I'm like, I like to learn from little children. And we heard a little bit earlier that we can learn a lot from children. Sometimes we throw a child fit or an adult fit or we just say, I don't want to do it. But it's okay to be honest. God's big enough to take it. After we're honest with them, like I was on Sunday, I needed to just do what was right. And so I call that acting my way to feeling, not waiting for feelings to act. And that's really hard. But the Holy Spirit that's inside of me, if I don't quench the Spirit, will give me the power and the strength and the nudging to go ahead and do what's right, even if I don't feel like it. So do is going to be third base. So real quick review on baseball. When we are playing baseball, we start out by going to home plate. Are you with me? How many of you are right-handed? Right-handed? 67% right-handers. How about left-handed? Hang on, hang on. Keep your hands up. These are my friends. There's like 12 of us. So just for the fun of it, we're the only ones in the room in our right mind. Are you aware of that? Um, If you want someone to care for you and nurture you, go to a left-hander because they've got double the nurture. Um, It's hard to find a left-handed male, um, but we exist. Also, if your husband's right-handed and you want him to give a little more nurture, then um, are you right-handed? Can you catch? All right, here we go. Toss him something. Go ahead and toss it back while you're talking to him. And it puts him in his right brain, and he'll nurture. Play catch with your husband, and he'll love you better. So um, in baseball... In baseball, we step up to the the plate, and um, I'm not going to go into the intricacies of this because of time, but Lord willing, we hit the ball, and we run where? First base. That's probably why there's a one by it, correct? And then we run to where? To second base. Are we supposed to touch those bases if we want to score? Like, we have to. Like, it's, it's a rule. But I don't want to. We run to third base, and then home. But have you ever seen someone choose not to touch home plate so they don't give them a score or slide and miss? I mean, it happens. It actually happens. But the thing I want you to think about is every day you start out the day at home. Well, unless you're traveling like me. But the idea is that you're at home and you have certain roles. So if you're not saved, we just want to say as you're listening, God wants to draw you to himself so you can have the best life ever. And it's not a joke, and it's not a fake. And if any of us are accidentally doing that to you, please forgive us for showing you something that's not good. God wants to give you the best life ever. So you're a child of God, potentially here, definitely for those who are saved. You're a son or a daughter. You're potentially married for those who are older. If you're younger, you have siblings. Well, we all have siblings, but you just list those roles, potentially a spouse. You list the role of a student, a worker, whatever those roles are, and remember these roles. Lord, I submit to you these roles. I wake up in the morning and say, my body is not my own. My life is not my own. I was bought with a price, and I'm going to honor you with my body. In a perfect world, we would hit that ball and run to first base, and we're going to be still and know that God is God. We're going to re-surrender all of these roles 
They start thinking about their relationships. Think about God. Think about our spouse. Think about our coworkers, our teachers, our siblings. Think through those relationships. But before we really go there, we're saying, Lord, I want to know you. Take that weakness. Take that fear. Take that guilt. Take any unhealthy motivation. Lord, I just want to know you. I'm going to be still. I'm going to learn to listen. I'm going to pray scripture. If you don't know what to pray in this realm, pray through the Psalms. It's a collection of books that we're commanded to pray back to God. Not in a legalistic way, but in a relational, healthy way. It'll take you through oriented, disoriented, and reorientation, and that is life. And when you're praying oriented, disoriented, and new orientation, you're going to find yourself going to the Psalms when you're disoriented to help you get a new orientation. You pray through those Psalms. They were written for us to sing and to pray. And so when we go to Psalm 4610, first base, first thing in the morning, we're going to wake up and we're running to first base. Go to second base. This is where we really do the others, considering others more important than ourselves. We're going to pray through that, and we're going to submit it, we're going to listen. Sometimes the Lord then will tell me, remember to date your wife, remember to win her over and over and over again, appreciate her, remember to engage with each child right where they're at, engage with them doing things that they love and, and like, and we have children that like to hunt and fish, we have children that love to play the piano and cook, there's lots of other likes, so I, I'm a father of nine children, and I do lots of things. And I try to engage with those children right where they're at. Five grandchildren as well, and they're starting to like new things. And so it's really interesting to engage with people where they're at, to understand them, and to love them, to grow with them, to go on a journey with them. Moving on to third base, then let's do whatever we do is under the Lord. So are you tracking with me? So before you can play the game, when you're really little, like... I don't know you, but would it be embarrassing for you to come up here? If it would, don't come. But if you don't mind, like, standing by this to show him how much taller you are than this, would you mind? Just grab the, grab the bat. He's in beast mode, I think. So go ahead and come up here. Have you ever played t-ball? No? Okay. Well, do you think you could hit it softly without hurting anybody? Yeah, let's see what we can do. Protect yourself. Just hit it soft. Yes, let's clap for the young man. And so what happens in real life, you would run where? Uh, first, base. first, you want to kind of jog around the bases and come score for us. Go ahead and do a little jog. You're in church and it's okay. You got permission. Jog, 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 jog. So in church, it's real life with real people and it's okay to do real things. First, all right, good job. Um, be still and know that I'm God. Let's do a review and you keep on going around. He's coming over to others. Let's consider others more important than yourself. Keep running to third base. Let's go on around. Um, if you aren't allowed to run in church next week, don't do it, please. So come on to third base. He comes to do whatever you do is under the Lord. And just to remind you as he takes the long track, when he was here, he was thinking, my body's not my own. I was bought with a price. I am a son. I am potentially a brother. I am a grandson. Let's make sure you touch home so that you can get a clap for scoring. All right. Let's clap for scoring. Good job. Give me a high five. You can have a seat. Good job. So what's interesting there is that as we close the message, I, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to ask for prayer. 
want to give you an opportunity to receive a challenge. And I want you to know, I heard a message like this. I've changed it a bit, but I heard a message like this. And when I heard this next part, my heart just sunk. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. And it's impacted me for a long time. But what's interesting here is um, in T-ball, this happens all the time, the little child will hit the ball and take off running to third base. You got it? Think about us. We run to the to-do list, and we forget who we are in Christ. We forget being still and knowing God, and sometimes we forget relationships unless we're at our to-do list. First thing in the morning, we run, we look at our to-do list, and we go, who do I need to help me accomplish my goals for the day? And we do it backwards. It might have fear, guilt, and shame, or just selfishness. We find ourselves running from second after we've got all the people to help us do all of our own things, and we go over here to first base and say, Lord, bless my plans, and we come home, and the Lord says, you don't score. You ran the bases backwards. It's okay if you're a t-ball player. It's okay if you're a new believer and you're just beginning. But if you've already believed, and you belong, or you become and you're sipping on milk, and you're running the bases backwards, the Lord's saying, I expect more of you than that. You need to wake up in the morning, and you need to remember whose you are, so you know which way to run. So you know to surrender yourself to the Lord first thing in the morning, everything, the people, and the things that you do. We make our plans, but God directs our steps. So as we sing, if you would like someone to pray for you, Humera would come up, maybe the pastor, Randy, or Tony, or myself, we'd pray for you. But listen, if you don't want to come up here and get prayed for, if I just see someone raise a finger, I'm going to come pray for you. I love you, and I'm only going to be here for a few more hours. If you want prayed for, we'll come to you. But let's go ahead and let me say a word of prayer as we go into our last song. Lord, thank you so much for modeling for us who you were. And that you were willing to be still and to know your Father and to pray and seek God the Father and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit on the who that you spent time with and the do, the things that you did. Jesus, thank you for your role model. Thank you so much for being a God that we can trust. And we just pray that you would lead us and guide us and help us to remember you don't. You don't fail us. In Jesus' name, amen.